Welcome to the GAC Files, a podcast about the people, issues and ideas driving Global Affairs Canada. Bienvenue au dossier d'AMC, un balado sur les gens, les enjeux et les idées qui animent Affaires mondiales Canada. And now, introducing your host, Global Affairs Canada's Deputy Minister of International Trade, John Hannaford. Voici votre animateur, John Hannaford, sous-ministre du Commerce international d'Affaires mondiales Canada. Okay, bonjour tout le monde. Euh, ceci est notre de nos conversations concernant euh, notre euh, lieu de travail et notre communauté au sein de, de euh, l'AMC. Euh, C'est aussi le, le 50e de nos euh, balados euh, concernant l'AMC et ça c'est euh, dans un sens frappant. Um, this is an opportunity for us to kind of take stock not only of, of some of the experiences that we've had over the course of the last extraordinary year and a half, but also to think a little bit forward as to, you know, how we can be continually, continually improving our work methods and uh, uh, taking advantage of the uh, kinds of tools that are available to us that uh, we have used to quite extraordinary effect over the course of the last period of time. I'm very happy to have with me today two uh, invités special, uh, uh, nos collègues uh, Dan. Christina Casey. Uh, Christina, as you may know, was our, our uh, CIO for a period of time and has now moved on to Greener Pastures and is now at Shared Services Canada. And Dan is, of course, the head of our, our platforms branch. And so both are extraordinarily well placed to kind of uh, uh, participate in this in this reflection. Alors, peut-être on peut commencer avec Christina concernant vos expériences pendant la période passée. C'était, comme j'ai dit, vraiment extraordinaire et il y avait une série de changements qui étaient um, pas prévisibles de, de tout et difficiles de temps en temps. Mais quelle était votre expérience uh, pendant cette période et vos réflexions? Uh, donc, je suis très fière de, 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 de la transformation qu'on a eue, euh, non seulement pour mon équipe euh, dans le temps, l'équipe de la TI et la GI, mais aussi pour le ministère. Donc, je pense que ça, on avait parlé pour longtemps, il fallait transformer euh, notre infrastructure de la TI, euh, de vraiment partir d'un environnement où on était vraiment juste borné sur, sur mettre en place ces systèmes et vraiment bouger à des services numériques. Puis, puis les services numériques, c'est non seulement mettre des services en place, mais vraiment regarder non seulement les systèmes, mais les données, la gestion d'informations, puis plus important, les processus d'affaires qui supportent les systèmes, puis de mettre toutes ces choses en place. Donc, je pense que pour longtemps, on avait parlé euh, de vraiment faire la transformation. Les exigences de nos clients, soit à l'interne ou à l'externe, ont vraiment changé. Je pense qu'à la maison, on a, on a tous des outils euh, comme Amazon, puis des choses comme ça, qui nous donnent, qui nous donnent euh, beaucoup plus de facilité à utiliser la TI puis la GI pour, euh, pour mettre en place, pour, pour juste fonctionner. Euh, puis, on avait beaucoup, beaucoup de travail à faire au gouvernement puis à Affaires mondiales pour, pour vraiment euh, lever notre, nos services qu'on offrirait. Donc, je pense qu'on on a vraiment élaboré un plan ministériel sur les services et le numérique qui était en premier plan euh, 
identifiait les priorités qu'on voulait mettre en place, um, soit sur le service numérique, donc comment qu'on offre les services aux, aux citoyens qu'on supporte, uh, les, les outils qu'on donnait en, en mettant en place uh, pour supporter no, no, nos employés. Um, Est-ce qu'on de créer vraiment un aspect pour que les gens puissent communiquer en façon de, de penser en façon de service numérique, donc pas juste prendre un, un outil puis recréer la façon qu'on fait qu'on fait les choses pour les dernières dix années, mais vraiment comment qu'on peut utiliser la technologie pour améliorer améliorer euh, notre, notre, nos, nos, nos travaux, puis aussi mettre en place euh, les, les, vraiment l'infrastructure en termes de cybersécurité, euh, le réseau et euh, les plateformes d'entreprise qu'on avait besoin. Donc, c'était vraiment excitant de, de voir qu'on était capable de mettre non seulement un plan en place, mais aussi euh, avoir beaucoup de progrès. Euh, en termes de, de, des systèmes puis les, les processus qu'on pourrait mettre en place. Puis je pense que les, les choses pour moi qui, qui, qui me font qui me font fier, c'est que on a non seulement mis des, des, des systèmes en place comme Signature, qu'on on, on travaille dessus pour Microsoft Teams, mais on a pu faire ça assez rapidement. Euh, puis une des raisons, c'est qu'on a vraiment, c'est vraiment, on parle souvent de risque, la gestion de risque euh, dans, dans les ministères, mais vraiment, on a dit, OK, on peut, on peut faire de l'analyse pour des mois en termes de les besoins, puis comment que le système va fonctionner, puis la gestion d'informations. Mais on a, avec COVID, on a dû mettre quelques choses en place en, en deux, trois semaines, puis les gens ont, ont, ont pu s'adapter. Donc, je pense qu'on a vraiment appris comment que les gens peuvent s'adapter, comment qu'on peut utiliser euh, les systèmes de façon différente, puis comment en termes d'équipe de, de, de GI, puis TI, qu'on peut engager nos clients euh, de façon différente. Donc, donc, c'est vraiment un partenariat entre nous et euh, nos clients. Puis, il faut travailler de façon plus agile, plus itérative, puis vraiment regarder la gestion du changement, mais d'une façon euh, un peu plus, euh, less, plus less, moins académique, puis plus en pratique. Donc, euh, c'était super excitant de voir. Puis, euh, une pandémie, ce n'est pas, pas euh, plaisant de passer à travers du tout, du tout, du tout, mais en termes de la GI Platée, ça a été vraiment quelque chose qui a fait une explosion pour qu'on puisse, qu'on vraiment, on n'a pas le choix que changer la façon qu'on travaille. And how, what, what was the experience like for the team? I mean, this must have been quite an extraordinary thing to be, I, we all went through the pandemic in our own ways, obviously, and there are different demands on different parts of the, the, the department, but your folks were kind of the underpinning of an awful lot of that, uh, that demand. And how, how, how did people fare through that? What was the experience? Well, I think at first we were we didn't have a choice. So it's not like we didn't think about putting in a platform like Microsoft Teams or we didn't think about how do we have to change our service model. We had been thinking about it for such a long time and we had these great plans. But what the pandemic did is it forced us to move to action. And we were almost in crisis mode. And in a lot of times IT, we, we spend a long time doing analysis and it's not until you the rubber hits the road where you really see the difference. So I think the first seven, six or seven months, we had no, change, no choice but to pivot because we had to make sure that the government like the GAC continued to operate and, and we needed to make sure that you, that the business lines had the tools that they needed and that, that people could work from home and that we have provided the service that we needed to be able to support so we we actually had to throw stuff at the wall and see how much is stuck and we would learn and just agile like we would just kind of learn on what was working was what wasn't working um, so I think it really became about focus and making sure that we were focusing the people and the money and the time on the right things at the right time and and we were able to make like even the department giving us a little bit of, of that fund that funding that we needed to make investments in our network bandwidth and cybersecurity and all these things allowed us to really mobilize quickly. So I think it felt like we were working at a startup. 
Uh, so it, it just had this energy and it, there was a sense of innovation and risk taking, manage risk taking and, and a sense of creativity and, and momentum. And I think it changed the relationship too that we had with our partners. Like we were seen as an important contributor to the business of the department as opposed to an internal service. So it was really motivating. I, I do think though, as the pandemic drew on, there's only so long that you can keep that pace. So we ha it's always around finding the balance between having that, that creative, innovative, um, you know, you know, kind of let's throw some solutions out to the more, okay, well, we need to sustain this. So how do we kind of move from this, find solutions to find a way to kind of operationalize this? So I think towards the end, we were starting to run out of steam, but I think, I think it showed the team what we were able to do. And we've learned so many different things of how you do you engage people differently and how, how we can do this. Like we, the art of the, the possible is possible. Yeah, yeah, well, you're absolutely right. I mean, adrenaline does begin to run out at a certain point, but it, it also, I think this is true on a number of scores. This was an opportunity for us to learn and to innovate in, in ways that just circumstances required of us. And that, that that was true across the mission network too, obviously, Dan, and I kind of interested in your reflections as to, you know, how uh, uh, we had a very specific experience or a series of experiences at headquarters much more varied in the missions and across the platform generally. And, uh, you know, what what are your reflections thinking about that and thinking about how that sort of sets us up now for the next phase? In our, our yeah, I, I think it's a good segue to, you know, what Christina has just talked about, because, you know, usually when people um, uh, ask me questions like this, John, they're, they're asking questions about, you know, um, big budgets and buildings because like that, that's what platform is right um and you know okay my budget's big but I, i'd like it to be bigger if i could but the story in over the pandemic wasn't about the building so much it was really about the people um and people might forget that the platform's common services team abroad is roughly 2000 people and it's it's one of the biggest programs in in the in the network if not the biggest um, and most of they're mostly locally engaged, but the heart and soul of that team are the MCO and MAOs. And we're talking like lots of people in 170 plus locations and and their focus, the focus of these teams is really on taking care of the needs of their colleagues. And suddenly in like in, in one fell swoop, those needs changed. Um, and 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 we're used to crises, but not on this scale. Um, worldwide and long you know so uh, early in the pandemic as well and we might forget this but a lot of our employees were patriated or repatriated to canada um and and some of those were our mcos the very people who are in the mission to take care of other people um and some of our locally engaged staff um you know had to had to go home to take care of their families etc and our work didn't stop um so you know I would say it's adrenaline, it was creativity, it was partly panic at times, um, um, but you know, the common services team is there to take care of the needs of people. And it took, uh, after a, a few days, a few weeks, whatever, everybody kind of got their heads uh, on right. Um, and uh, we were, um, in addition to taking care of the needs of people, by the way, we were also involved in the patriation of Canadians abroad. And here in headquarters, a lot of my team, you know, were were volunteering for um, that effort that was led by uh, Cindy Termoschwaisen's team, 
And and those early days were tough and and and, and it went on for months, right? Um, and during that time, you know, uh, I saw something that, you know, you kind of, I, I read about as a kid in war history books, that kind of all hands on deck, um, no giving up and all that sort of stuff. But what I saw at that time, John, was people who cared. I saw compassion for other people um, and we just focused on on our people. And in the short term, I think we were just we were actually triaging stresses. We were trying to manage workloads. We were trying to keep uh, the work, um, uh, the demands of our demands of the missions like we just completely backed off. And then we started putting in place um, those mechanisms to listen to the missions to see um, what we uh, could do better. And remember, again, if we repatriated uh, MCOs from uh, a mission, we had to support them from Ottawa. So we had to pivot ourselves from a model that usually just sent ter temporary duties out to mission. Now we had to figure out ways to do that from Ottawa. And that's something we're, we're going to look at continuing uh, post-pandemic because um, it, it actually worked and it worked uh, reasonably, reasonably well. And that's where necessity becomes the mother uh, of, of invention. In a post-pandemic world, we have to kind of keep those things necessary. Um, so um, I think that's that those are really some of the um, important uh, things. And the, the, it, it's hard for us to think about because here in headquarters, you know, we had central programs for IT. We had central programs for furniture, et cetera. I couldn't buy furniture in Ottawa and ship it to all the missions so, so that they could have it in their SQs. They had to do those things locally. And they weren't the only game in town trying to buy that kind of stuff either, like everybody else was. So like kudos to the common services team and the MCOs for doing what they did uh, during this pandemic. It was an, an amazing effort and, and they did it sometimes individually sometimes as part of the team um and we marshaled and supported them as much as we could but you know i i think those of us who are old enough to remember the something called the glasgow commission um and i i, I know i'm the oldest one on this call but they, they the motto of the glasgow commission back in the 60s was to let the managers manage and it's and i think it's important to remember that we have really good people in the field and that we just need to trust them to find solutions. And I think the last 18 months has been a really strong reminder of that. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that, Dan. Uh, and, you know, I think one of the features of this whole experience, you said at the outset that, you know, we've been used to crises, but we had been used to crises that were sort of cyclical. The thing that was unusual about this is, like it was the pandemic part of it, it was like everyone was in a crisis. And so, you know, we were all kind of uh, all, every country was challenged by this, uh, you know, every program area was challenged by this, and it really did require enormous creativity for us to figure out in that sort of environment, which is brand new, how do you function? How do you function well? And I, I completely agree. I think the backbone of this place functioned extraordinarily well, and that's to the credit of individual managers and individual team members who, who just threw themselves at these problems. And so, Christina, just to kind of turn forward a little bit, like, how do you see, we talked a little bit about some of these lessons learned from, from the last period of time, but the next few years, how do you see the situation evolving with respect to our digital tools and um, how, do, how do you continue as well to kind of continue to foster that sense of innovation and, and, uh, and sort of service delivery? 
Oh, so, you know, I, I think we're only scratching the surface. I don't think we've even come into Final Frontier. And digital is not about just using Microsoft video calls. There's so much more to it. And just to build on what Dan said, I think there was so much grassroots around how, so we've launched these tools and then we had like missions and, and, and different teams that start to understand that this, this platform, Signet E, is not just around, um, you know, being able to do video calls. We had, you know, FPDS trying to build forms and we had missions that kind of use it as their own version of internet. So I think one of the lessons that we have to learn is that we, it's not, you know, it's not just the, the IT and the brainwave of how we can move to digital. It's not just within the IT shop, right? It, there's, there's pockets of it around. And I think, you know, I think we need to move just beyond thinking of, um, of just of, of digital as uh, using video and MS Teams, but how can we better collaborate? And I think, you know, how can we collaborate on documents differently, you know, versus sending things over email or putting things in, in InfoBank? How do, can we share information beyond putting putting things uh, again through email. So I think collaboration, We I think there's going to be, we're going to continue to build on collaboration. Um, I think that's going to be important. And I, I think, you know, there's a lot of tools that the, that GAC has released uh, in the last year that can help kind of build a new way to, to kind of work. And I think GAC is really a new, uniquely positioned, right? Because a lot of the conversations around town is what does hybrid workplace look like where you have people working at home and people working in the office and people are not co-located. GAC's been living like that for forever since it was created. So I think that there's 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 we we're in this business already or GAC's in this business already. So I think we can leverage a lot of this to kind of help continue to build the digital services. Um, I do think that we need to kind of keep building some of the data science capabilities. Data is so rich and we collect so much data as a department. Um, it's not just about dashboards and I think you know we have a great tool in Spectrum. Um, but how can we evolve that to kind of use data for insights? And there's been some really great digital data science projects that they've done that looked at social scraping social media to help predict trends. So I think we need to continue to build that and a lot of the work that Alyssa has been doing in terms of pushing the data strategy, I think needs to continue and that's going to be foundational to continue to support the future of work. Um, I think there needs to be an investment in better tools for employees. So you're going to see things like robotic process automation, artificial intelligence to help kind of automate some of those repeatable tasks chatbots, you know, do we really need to have a service desk person answer a call around resetting your password? Can we automate some of these things? The onboarding, the account creation, can we automate these things so that we can free people up uh, to, to be able to kind of provide better service? So I think there's a lot of opportunities in terms of streamlining the processes, moving away from paper even more. Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunities around um, using robotic process automation and artificial intelligence to help streamline those repetitive tasks. And then I think the most important piece that we can't forget about I think a lot of the work that we've done through the pandemic around the future of work has been really about our employees. Uh, and I think there's a lot of, um, of opportunity in terms of how we deliver services uh, as part of our mandate, right? So if I'm a trade commissioner, I, I might want the intelligence of who I'm meeting with at the flick of my finger, right? So can we provide these mobile tools so when someone goes and meets with the trade commissioner that we have this information? Can we use things like blockchain around uh, permits uh, instead of, it, you know, when we're looking at import export permits, can we use that for that and, and is there a di because our clients are going to be expecting our external clients are going to be expecting more from us so how can we leverage technology to change the way we deliver services so um i think the opportunity is ripe and it's super exciting to see what's going to happen absolutely we pour le, pour le réseau, pour le futur, John, euh, 
suis certain que vous acceptez le fait que pour le moment, il n'y a personne qui a une idée précise de ce à quoi ressemblera le réseau d'émissions à long terme. Um, mais nous avons déjà mis en œuvre certains nombres de choses comme les protocoles de nettoyage, le, les équipements de protection individuelle et, et la distanciation et des choses uh, sans contact. Et nous avons sûrement rendu plusieurs fournisseurs de plexiglas uh, très riches. Um, mais ces mesures sont nées um, de la nécessité et um, le fait de la pandémie est là et, um, et il est permanent. Um, mais pour le futur, nous avons déjà contacté uh, notre équipe à travers le monde pour connaître leur avis sur la façon de relever les défis de cette pandémie persistante et le monde après. Et nous avons établi des liens avec d'autres ministères des Affaires étrangères et d'autres experts en milieu de travail dans notre réseau afin d'avoir une idée de ce qui fonctionnera pour les Canadiens et notre personnel local afin qu'ils soient en sécurité, productifs et qu'ils aient le sentiment d'appartenance dans une équipe. Hein. Je reconnais que euh, le patron n'est pas le détenteur euh, de la politique euh, pour ces questions, mais euh, quand même, c'est important que notre infrastructure euh, fonctionne euh, au-delà des choses, euh, des aspects mécaniques. Um, mais euh, John, euh, je pense que la vision euh, pour le futur euh, euh, prendra plus de temps euh, à, à se concrétiser. Euh, nous évaluons les impacts de la pression exercée sur euh, le télétravail et les avantages d'en faire plus. Hein. Lorsque la capacité euh, euh, de la chancellerie est à sa limite, et ça euh, se procède à beaucoup, à beaucoup de temps dans notre réseau, euh, euh, nous verrons euh, évidemment le recours accru euh, au travail euh, à distance et nous commençons à le voir dans ces cas très particuliers. Euh, encore une fois, c'est une question de nécessité, on parle euh, de, de la nécessité euh, pour, euh, très souvent ici. Mais nous avons l'intention d'utiliser ces cas comme euh, expérimental. Euh, la pandémie rend plus compliqué le focus sur les épargnes grâce à l'intensification des employés dans un édifice parce que euh, ça, c'est une façon on, on cherche très souvent dans les, la gestion d'un réseau. Hein. So, euh, et, euh, c'est important, je pense, que, euh, de n'oublier pas que le travail à distance à l'étranger est différent selon l'environnement de menaces et risques dans chaque mission. Hein. Il, il, il n'y aura sans doute pas une seule approche pour toutes les circonstances et euh, tout ce que nous ferons euh, devra être équilibré par euh, des considérations telles euh, que la sécurité de l'information, la sécurité physique de notre personnel, le support de TI, la disponibilité et l'accessibilité de la bande passante, la pression exercée pour augmenter la taille de nos logements pour le personnel afin d'accommoder un espace de bureau dans leur logement. Euh, 
Et ça, ce qui peut augmenter nos coûts, coûts totaux um, pour les raisons. Et puis, il y a l'inviabilité diplomatique qui est garantie par la Convention de Vienne ainsi que les règles de pays hôtes. C'est très compliqué um, quand on um, commence les conversations. Mais la chose importante, c'est le fait qu'on a commencé cette conversation. Et heureusement, J'aurai un chef de mission de retour au pays se joindre à mon équipe cet automne et elle et son équipe naissante seront à la tête de cette, cette conversation ici au sein de la plateforme. Le but, le but doit être une infrastructure outre-mer qui est ciblée sur l'amélioration des résultats des programmes de mission tout en maximisant la sécurité de notre personnel de nos informations et de nos biens, et en même temps maximisant la valeur pour les contribuables des Canadiens. Donc, j'aimerais voir le, le jour où nous pourrons bâtir une chancellerie moderne, sûre et efficace, mais aussi beaucoup plus petite hein, et plus abordable que celle qui se trouve actuellement dans notre réseau. Ça prendra beaucoup de temps parce qu'on a um, 170 uh, bâtiments ou uh, lieux dans notre réseau, um, mais les, tra les travaux visant à explorer les moyens d'y parvenir ont, com ont déjà commencé au sein de, notre, de la plateforme. Heureusement, l'avenir est plein de possibilités. Well, that's true. <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's uh, also It's quite exciting, you know, when you see what has been possible and the circumstances that we've lived through over the last period of time to kind of pitch forward and think about, you know, what what our workplaces will look like and what our tools will look like in, say, five years or 10 years. And I, I think uh, I, I want to thank both of you for the conversation today. I think it's uh, it's very important that we be thinking through these things and thinking through the lessons that we've learned and the sort of um, drawing from those the best that we can to, to kind of Uh, continue to refine our workplace and, and to improve it. And uh, I also want to thank you both for uh, for the work you've done over the last period of time, because I think you and your teams have, have served us well and it, it, it's mattered. So thanks for today. It's great to get a chance to chat and uh, and uh, look forward to continuing these conversations in various ways. Thank you. Thank you very much, Christina and John. Thank you. Merci. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to you joining us for future episodes of The GAC Files, a podcast about the people, issues, and ideas driving Global Affairs Canada. Don't forget to join the conversation online using hashtag GAC Files. Merci d'avoir écouté le balado, et nous espérons que vous vous joindrez à nous pour les épisodes futurs des dossiers d'AMC. Un balado sur les gens, les enjeux et les idées qui animent Affaires mondiales Canada. N'oubliez pas de vous joindre à la conversation en ligne en utilisant le hashtag Dossier d'AMC. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future topics or guests, please send us an email at extott-ldce at international.gc.ca. Si vous avez des commentaires ou des suggestions concernant des sujets futurs ou des nouveaux invités, vous pouvez communiquer avec nous par courriel à l'adresse extott tiret ldce à commercial international.gc.ca